Can you think of a time when you willingly sinned and you really thought that it was really worth it? Do you think that you'll still be able to say that it was worth it many years down the road from now? Will you still look at it the same way? If the answer to that question is no, then why would you ever expect sin to be worth it in the future if you continue to live in that lifestyle? This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to talk about that and some principles for success on how we can get past the original deception. We'll get into that right after this. Welcome to Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore, and you have reached my podcast once again. We're here for a brand new episode this week, starting off a new section of our study, The Great Divide. So thank you guys for coming back once again. If you haven't watched all the rest of my podcast, you can go to my my website. It's at connectingthegap.net. There you're going to find all my podcasts. You're going to find my YouTube channel, which has some Bible studies, and, and the podcasts are there as well. And then my blog is also there, a link for my blog. So I update each one of those weekly. So please go check that out and please share. Um, we do this to reach the lost. And I don't want this to just be my ministry. I'd like for you guys to be a part of this as well. If something that I, that I present weekly helps you out, please share this for me. And that way others can be helped out as, as well. So that's what this is all about. So the last couple of weeks, we talked about the original deception. And we talked about how Satan, he got Eve to eat that fruit. And then Eve got Adam to eat that fruit. And the way that Satan accomplished that, he still uses that same deceptive way to get to us today. It's hard to believe that thousands of years later that we still fall for that same ploy that Adam and Eve fell for way back in the beginning, but it's very true. And so what we're going to talk about this week, uh, since we kind of identified the original deception last week, this week we're going to talk about some principles for success. How can we get past letting that, oper letting that uh, original deception operate in our lives? What are some ways that we can overcome that? And as we kick it off this week, perhaps at this point that you're, you might be thinking, I don't believe that being tricked by the original deception is my problem. Maybe you think, in your mind, you think it's something else, that you've not really fallen for that original deception. Maybe you think that your problem is that even though you know that God is for you, and sin will work out badly for you, that you still sin anyway. It doesn't matter what you do and try to change your lifestyle, and try to change the way that you live, but you still continually have that sin in your life, and it's hard for you to get rid of that. Well, if, you, if this describes you, Believe it or not, I still believe that you're probably still living with that original deception in your life, even though you may not think so. In the foundations of the problems that you're having that Satan tries to throw at you, I think that you're probably still fighting that original deception just like the rest of us do from time to time. The reason that it seems like it's harder to recognize sometimes, I think, is because a lot of times we confuse knowing with believing. And... A way that we can kind of explain this with, a, with an example, the fact that you know in your mind that Jesus loves you 
and that he can be trusted doesn't mean that you really believe it. The truest evidence of what you believe is found in your actions. It's not found in your mind. Now, the mind is Satan's battlefield. That is the place that he likes to start whenever he tries to cause us to go down the wrong path. But once he gets past the mind and he captures the very being of who we are inside, after that, the actions start coming out. And then we can truly see how that person lives their life or how you live your life according to your actions. An example of this, if a man tells his wife that he loves her, but then he treats her horribly, treats her like the dirt that he walks on on the, on the street, do you really think that he loves her? If you're sitting there watching this as an outsider and a bystander, do you really think that he loves her? Well, if you confront that person and you try to call them on the carpet about that, more often than not, that person's probably going to come back to you and say, no, you don't understand. I really do love her. You know, they're not going to understand at all why you're trying to say that they don't. But would that still make it true? Just because he says that he loves his wife, regardless of how he treats her, does that make it true that he truly does love her? Even if he thinks he loves her, he's got some deception that's going on in his life because his actions are not backing that up. Real love is proven by action. It's not proven by words or by emotion. We can sit there and tell somebody that we love them all we want to. We can cry with them and laugh with them or whatever. But if we don't truly day to day in our actions show that person that we have that deep love for them, they're not ever going to really know the level of what that true love actually is for them. The same is true when it comes to sin. Often the original deception, it flies underneath the radar in our lives because we think, I already know that God loves me. I mean, we've sang that song since we were a little kid. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. But that song becomes a ritual. I know that when I sing it now, I don't really think a whole lot about the words of that song because I've sang it so many times and it's, it's you know, so, it's such an a, uh, average thing to me that I've done so many different times, I don't really think about it. You know, it's, it's just a repetitive action that I'm doing. So it may be true that we know this in our minds, but do we believe it in our hearts to such a degree that it determines our actions? Do we know that God loves us to the point that we actually change how we act because we want his love to shine through us? Until the truth of God's character becomes true belief, the original deception will continue to wreak havoc in our lives. It's going to continue to be there underlying things and causing us to stumble and fall, causing us to make bad decisions from time to time until we come to that realization. When we sin consistently in an area, it reveals that deep inside we believe, perhaps unconsciously, that the sin will benefit us more than obeying God's will. Ouch, that's a hard thing to swallow, but it's true. If we continue to sin and we know it's a sin, we're convicted of it, we ask forgiveness, and then we sin again. Obviously, whatever that sin is must be more of a priority to you than actually following God and His plan and where He wants us to be. Consistent sin always serves as evidence that the original deception is present and it's lurking somewhere behind those sinful actions that we have in our life. It's proof that we have not been able to shake that way that Satan comes in and attacks us on a daily basis. 
So, how do we get rid of the original deception once and for all? We're going to go to the Word here, and we're going to read a scripture, and it's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and it's going to give us a key on how that we can get past this original deception in our lives. The first part of this verse says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's the New Living Translation. When our minds are tainted by the original deception, we end up copying the behaviors and the customs of this world, which tells us to do whatever seems right to us at the moment. And we know the dark roads that such decisions lead us down. If it feels good, do it. That's what the world's telling us today. They don't want us to follow God. The world does not want us to go to church. The world doesn't want us to have a prayer life. The world doesn't want us to keep morals in our government and in our schools and everywhere else. The world wants us to do what feels good, what Satan wants us to do. But we have to get rid of that. We have to clear our minds from that mindset. However, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it also tells us that if we let God change the way we think and believe, that we will be transformed into a new person. Again, what we deeply believe determines our actions. So when our minds are clouded by any type of deception, our actions will always follow that deception, whether we want them to or not. However, we run our life on a daily basis and the things that we constantly think about all day long, the things that we roll over in our heads as we go moment to moment, day to day, is the, the things that's going to come out. What's inside of us is going to come out. That's the way that that works. If we can enthrone truth in place, the opposite can be true of this. Our actions are going to follow the truth instead. This is why the Bible tells us that we can be transformed by the way that we think. If we take out the deceptive thoughts that Satan wants to throw at us and try to get us to change our ways, and we put the truth of God's Word in there, then the way that we act and present ourselves in public on a daily basis is going to be completely different. We're going to live our lives the way more the way that God wants us to. Imagine it this way. A boy that has been told that stupid is spelled S-T-O-O-P-I-D. Well, Every time that this boy spells this word, he will get it wrong because it's been ingrained inside of him that that's how that word is spelled. However, if someone comes to him and actually shows him how to spell the word stupid, S-T-U-P-I-D, he will start spelling it correctly. He's going to be transformed. If we want to change our actions, we have to get rid of the deception that is causing them. So let's look at a few simple truths and see if we can expose the original deception for the lie that it is and break its power once and for all. Because that's what our whole goal is here as we walk this life with Christ, as we want to come from the average to the extraordinary, we want to make sure that we break that power that Satan has over us and that deception that he puts in our lives. Many people say that they want to obey God, but when something really tempting comes along, even though that they disagree, they know that it disagrees with his word, the sin a lot of times just seems too hard to avoid. When we are dazzled by a certain temptation, it can be hard to think our way clear because we're too focused on the specifics of the sin. In essence, we might be thinking, is this sin wrong all the time? Will a little sin really hurt me? Will I get caught? Have you ever thought those things when you were tempted to sin and do something that was wrong? Well, instead, it's much more helpful to go back a step in the process and look at who those three thoughts are coming from. Let's call this the character principle. 
The character principle tells us that the character of the person behind the thought or temptation is more important than what's being presented. Whenever we are tempted, there's going to be two voices that's going to be speaking into our lives at all times whenever those temptations come. The enemies and the Lord's. That's the two voices that are going to be speaking to us. Of course, the enemy hopes that he can lead us into sin. The Lord hopes that he can lead us into life. Trying to analyze every thought in the moment of temptation can get very overwhelming and confusing. However, if we learn to look at the character of the one presenting the thought and less at the thought itself, it's a much easier to stay on track. So we're going to look at a few scriptures here that's going to reveal to us the character of both God and Satan. These verses will help us focus more on the who of our temptations instead of the what. So first we're going to look at some scriptures about God. These are found in John. The first one is in chapter 10, verse 10. It says, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Number two in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. The third scripture about God in John 16, 13 but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So here in these three scriptures, the character of God is very clear. First, he tells us plainly that his purpose in John 10.10 10, is to have an abundant life given to us. That's what he wants to give us is an abundant life. Next, we see that he's going to put action behind those words. When we see in, in chapter 15, verse 13, he's going to show us that the highest form of love that could ever be shown, he's going to give, us, give his life for us. He's going to die in our place so that we can experience that abundant life in John 10. Then, to help us on our journey, he sent the Holy Spirit to be a guide every day in our lives. The Spirit continually guides us, comforting us, and leading us into truth. God sounds like a pretty trustworthy character. So, what is the character of the opposing voice that's in our head? So, let's look at some truths about the devil. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes to only kill, steal, and destroy. Another scripture that we're going to read here is, in John chapter 8, and it's verse 44, it says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the picture of the enemy, Satan, stands out in a complete contrast in the picture of God and who God is. In the first scripture, we see that he's like a, a lion. He's prowling around. He's waiting for the perfect moment to devour us with his deception. He just can't wait to throw it on us and watch us fail. Next, we see that the goal of his attacks is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to kill and destroy anything that we have in Christ. And then lastly, we are told that Satan is the father of lies. He may be whispering in your ear that following his temptation will bring you pleasure or that following God's ways will be boring. He's going to sit there and try to impound that in your head. But this scripture promises us that his words are always a lie. He's the father of lies. He never speaks truth. In fact, the verse goes as far to say that there is no truth in him. He is completely an untruthful person that's going to be speaking into you, and it's not someone that we want to follow. This means that every time the enemy tries to convince us that sin is a good choice, 
there is a 100% chance that he is lying. A faithful savior who always speaks the truth, or a treacherous beast who always lies, is it that difficult to really determine who you want to follow? Any thought that comes from the enemy, no matter how good it seems, it's usually a lie that's going to be meant to destroy you. He's trying his hardest to cut you at the roots and to take you down. And if you allow him to do that, he will. He'll take full advantage of it. That is simply Satan's character. That's who he is as a person. When he was kicked out of heaven, he had all of these traits instilled in him. And his ultimate desire and goal from that day forward was to take all of us as Christians away from our heavenly uh, reward in heaven for eternity. On the other hand, any thought that comes from God, no matter how hard it may seem to follow, because sometimes it's going to be difficult, we're going to have battles, we're going to have roadblocks, and things are going to be thrown up in front of us. Truth that will lead us to a more abundant life is what God offers. That is simply God's character. He wants to give us the truth and let us know those promises that he has for us. So think about it this way. If a good friend invited you to go camping, you would probably be excited to go. However, let's say someone invites you on an even cooler trip. Only this person happens to be a mass murderer. How motivated would you be to go? No matter how much fun they promised you would have, you probably wouldn't even consider it. I know I would prefer to go camping than go with a mass murderer. Well, what's crazy about that is no different with the choices that we make each day. Satan is the ultimate mass murderer. He's got abortion in his hands. He's got murder in his hands. He's got all these deceptions and these things, these lies that he tells us and the way that he tries to get us to treat people. Think about all the deaths that have resulted from people following his temptations into drugs, alcohol, addictions, violence, and other sins. He desires to do the same to you. But Satan isn't stupid. He knows that if we consciously pick between a lying murderer and a faithful friend, he'll fail at tempting us every time. So he lies. He tries to make sin seem like fun or necessary to our happiness. Every time he tempts us, he dresses up his evil plan as good choices. Choices that will be even better than what God plans for us. That's why this character principle is so vital in your walk with the Lord. No matter how great the temptation of the enemy may seem, we know the truth about him. He is a thief, he is a liar, and he is a killer. We can reject every temptation that comes from him, not by sorting out all the particulars of that opportunity to sin, but by looking at his character. Trusting the devil is like the deceived speller that we talked about er earlier. It's about as stupid as you can get. Why would you want to follow someone that's going to drag you into an eternity of death and to hell where all of the sinners are going to go, and why would we give him more priority than giving God priority in our life where we can have that life abundantly and that eternal release from this life that we have here and going to the happiness and the joy of what God has for us and his promises. We're going to cut it off there for this week, and we'll finish this up next week. There's just a lot of good stuff here on how to get past that original deception that Satan tries to put in our lives. A lot of times it may seem like that we just have no way out. It may seem like it's the end of the world. It may seem like everybody's against us. But you know what? There is victory. And we can get that through Christ and the principles that God has put in his word for us. We just need to make those a priority in our life and follow them. I'm over time, so I'm going to stop, and we're going to get out of here for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Connecting the Gap. Visit my website, connectingthegap.net, 
for my blog, my YouTube channel, and my podcast. And please share, share, share. Uh, we want to win souls for Christ. That's what this is all about. Well, you guys have a great week, and I will talk to you next week on Connecting the Gap.